Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Inside the Asperger Studios. Are you somebody who's got fear of driving or has anxiety when you get behind that steering wheel? Well, my next guest, Andrew, is the founder of Driving with Autism. He teaches driver awareness. Everything from how to talk to the police to how to deal with your anxiety and how to deal with anything that happens. So sit back, relax, and grab your favorite beverage, and I'll see you on the other side. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Inside the Asperger Studios. Today, I'm joined with Andrew. Andrew is the, is the founder of Driving with Autism. Welcome to the show, Andrew. Um, thank you for having me here. And about time for the couple of scheduled ones we tried to do this. But it was, it was thing before our schedules got in the way. And I almost over, actually uh, overbooked a couple of weeks ago. So because I also work for an outreach, uh, outreach place and, and also in Connecticut. And called Plan Cost Spectrum, another um, autistic-owned uh, organization. So, so I need to do a lot of outreaching. So sometimes my schedule gets a little, little nuts, little nuts, especially more and so since developing driving with autism. But I'm happy to be here. All right, thank you. So, when were you diagnosed? I think I was around either five or six. This was I was born '93, so it was still in that era where. Where autism wasn't something niche, but it was kind of more, it was starting to, people were starting to know a lot better, but things were still kind of a little iffy. Iffy, people still figuring out what works, what works and what doesn't work. And it didn't have all the big organizations. I think honestly, the biggest one that could exist around that time was the autism societies of. Like they're like one of the oldest, I think one of the oldest is in the 60s, 60s, I think. I could be wrong, could be wrong. And this is probably something I could Google very easily. I'm just going by on memory. But it was around nine, I think it was like late 90s, like potentially early, like very early 2000s, because I was in elementary school type of someone that would probably grab sugar packets and go under the table for some reason. I could experience my coffee <laughs> maybe a little bit, but I was around that age group. All right. Now, do you have ADHD as well? Funny enough, I got asked that by my coworker who actually has ADHD. It was for, it was a work kind of meeting. It was kind of funny. It was kind of funny how it happened. I didn't realize my coworker. Uh, I didn't realize my coworker had ADHD uh, the whole time. I felt autistic. <laughs> and then funny enough, he thought I was also ADHD. But I told him, I don't think so. I, maybe I could be one, but I'm not really one for self-diagnose. I'd rather see I'd rather see someone who's who does that sort of work. But right. I don't but as but currently uh no. All right. So how did the idea for driving with autism come about? It really just came from my own personal experiences. 
um, just kind of realizing the need for have a license. Um, I was going to community college a couple of years ago, like around 2017, 2018. I was pursuing a associate's degree on disability specialist. You could also call it disability studies, but the official is disability specialist. Just working with people with disabilities. I was halfway in a program and I was looking at uh, jobs just because, hey, I got to look to see what's in the field, obviously. And I'm already like halfway in the program. So it'd be too late for me to turn out, wait for me to kind of turn back. So I was looking and I realized a lot of the positions needed a uh, license. And during that time, I was using buses. In my state, in Connecticut, it's pretty pretty decent, depending where you're at for transportation, uh, buses, and a couple other options. But if you're in a mm-hmm. Pacific session that's not so bus friendly, uh, good luck. Like the east side, the east side of Connecticut is kind, kind of notorious for just routes, and you absolutely have to drive over there. I mean, unless you want to go to one of our many casinos, we have like, yeah, two. We have two, uh, Fox Roots and Morgan Sun over in Connecticut. Outside of like those, there, there's definitely buses for obvious reasons. Like there wasn't as much. So I realized I need a license for employment reasons because I want to give myself all the most possible opportunities. And because I was gathering, very, I was gathering, starting to get to that point. So it became an like urgent matter. And then I realized the state does not have a lot of resources. And I also attended a lot of conferences, like special education, disability, autism. And even on ones that I've actually spoke at a couple of times, there was one where I spoke over in Yukon stores. It's like the most popular uh, college in Connecticut for context reasons. And a lot of them just talked about buses. Like, again, buses are fine. Buses are fine and buses are fine and all, but I was working just and be like, why am, I, why am I here? I'm not really anything about driving, <laughs> the, the ability to drive. So Again, why am I here outside of a professional reason? So a lot of trial and error, I just, a lot of trial and error, um, got my license and I decided to do a presentation. No one, no, no one, no one was good, no one was doing it. So I basically actually developed it, adopted the first, the skeleton version. I had Bonds and Nobles with one of their coffees. Love the coffee, but again, they can be quite pricey, especially nowadays. So I also kind of moved away from the more sugar stuff. Couple of fun fine every now and then. And then once I got that and I finally got a chance to actually present, I had 30 people show up and I actually had three companies also show up. It was success. And then I'm going to get there. This be a bit uh, quick. Um, I actually partnered up with a local driving school just to kind of help them with their autism program. I kind of moved out. I wanted to do something more nationwide. I had this idea going on and I ended up driving with autism. And it's been taking quite a bit of my time. Like I thought it'd be smooth sailing, but there was a lot of good, I guess like a good mix of a lot of just building opportunities and also a lot of stresses, both good and bad stresses. And which I've been told is pretty normal for uh, business owners and men developing new companies. So, and here I am right now in this podcast. <laughs> no, um, what kind of, what kind of success have you had? I just, I'm a lot of attention. A lot of attention. I still get a cry a bit. Still get quite a bit. Um, for example, I was actually invited to a car show. I was invited to this car show. I was like a Honda car show in Connecticut, which was also a good drive, like a good hour down in the south side of Connecticut. It's like near the New London area, but it wasn't really in New London, but it was quite close enough. And I also didn't realize that they also wanted to donate to the to the business. Well, the paid business, and it threw me off by surprise. 
I just did it. And it was a good time and good time and it shows. And also there was a radio station over there. So I saw success there and I got in a couple of customers. Things are still kind of ongoing. And right now I'm kind of currently setting up uh, partnerships with organizations and especially driving schools. Uh, if you, I imagine some of you answering one of your future questions. So <laughs> bear with me. Uh, one of the things I want to do is to have a driving school where there are fishery partners with driving with autism, and I'd be able to kind of send people over there and to kind of show people that there are places, there are places I care, that there are places that actually, that knows, or at least like be able to know like a sense of autism because some schools may not, may not always know, or it might be adaptive programs that might need a helping hand or are just majority good people that just want additional help. I just want to, again, just get money as well. So, so I want to kind of show the resources and people can use them. And so one of my goals. Right. What kind of issues have you come up with or have people come with, with the fear of driving when they come to you? I get a lot. Um, even before I developed, before I even developed this program, I was doing some consultations online with people all around and I get, and I hear always a lot of reasons. A lot of them are either, um, a lot of them are, Internal and external barriers. The external barriers is, well, resources, because resources can be all over the place. Like Connecticut, as I mentioned, was not really that good. It's gotten a little better, not because of me. I'm trying not to be biased. <laughs> but other states are kind of like all over the over the place. There's a couple that kind of surprises me. Like Florida actually has a surprising amount of driving schools over there that kind of have some sort of a adaptive program. Really interesting because people already said mixed things about Florida. Well, I was born there, but other than that, I've no I'm kind of neutral on Florida's end for autism stuff, but I was just always fault. It was interesting. Again, different each state, different yeah. for each state, but I get sort of resources there. And the other is just a lot of anxiety and how to do with the the gray side of driving, driving concepts. Because again, driving is very gray-minded. Like sometimes you kind of have to bring the rules by not all the rules, by the way. And just stuff like you may have to go over a car numerous times because there's always there might be like a city bus that may that may be kind of parked more on the side to let people in and out. A few cases where you kind of have to go over that, or if the case there might be amber and cell police and construction sites, they have to kind of mend the rules around. And because I don't want to speak for everyone, I'm absolutely not going to speak for every autistic here. For good reasons, because everyone's completely different. But there are a bunch of just rule-bound folks that they want to follow everything straight to the T and and kind of go and how to just dealing with rule breakers and those that kind of don't follow. Like tend to be one thing that kind of comes up. Up to the point where I had to de- I had to devote it to a whole section in one of my uh, presentations. I do like a webinar series that helps with uh, driver readiness as a paid service. All right. So and how then also, do you help? Oh, sorry, I'll wait until after you finish. Sorry. <laughs> no problem. Not a problem. How do you help those come over their fears of driving or even their anxiety? Because I know anxiety can almost cripple you to the point of not wanting to leave your house or even step a foot in your car and to drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, great question. And for that, uh, one of the main functions of what I aim to do with driving autism is like we do a lot of driver readiness. And actually, God, I actually heard this from a autistic, actually, I was chatting to who's very business minded. And he has actually told me that it's very defensive driving. 
So a lot is, is what I go over, and this is a paid webinar series. It uh, covers uh, seven topics, and it all goes over what have the expectations of the driving journey, and then it kind of goes over concepts that driving schools don't cover all the time. Sensory, sensory needs. Driving is very sensory-based. And because of the senses, and because of how people can deal with the senses um, varying, um, like if they're highly sensitive to lights, then, well, those nighttime high beams are a nightmare. Just to wish that as an example. There's a lot of those, so we kind of tackle that. We actually go over uh, police interactions. I kind of made it very uh, neutral based. I kind of go over both perspectives, the driver and the officer. And I just kind of operate, and it's actually just similar to the whole series, is everything's very solutions-based. Like, we go over problems each one, and we also do cover uh, driving situations and also cover anxiety, like you said before. Yeah, I'm just kind of like kind of going over ways to possibly kind of overcome them and just be the best, be the better driver out of it. Nice. Uh, because there was a lot of things that can come up, a lot of freaky things, um, like times where I actually was almost rear-ended one time. All the times where I have to do a split second a decision making on the highway because, you know, when the highway suddenly stops and you realize that you have to do either, either you try to slow down as much as you can or you just try to go to a different way. And just also when, also when you're about to rain change, just double check to make sure no one's in the blind spots. I've having those come up. So just kind of breaking it all down, kind of breaking it all down is what the series does and to make it approachable for people. And then after... They complete the series. It's about eight weeks, and currently on Thursdays at six PM Eastern Time. After they complete the series, I kind of go over local resources for them. So I, again, can kind of be at their step whenever I can, and have them be the choice makers of have them choice makers of their journey. Right. Just to just make just get rid of the unknown elements. All right. Now, what kind of obstacles have you faced to to this date? On my end, I'm. Um, the external is definitely <laughs> the lack of resources for sure. That was one of the biggest. And because during that time, like I didn't know like a Temple Grandin of driver, or at least that spokesperson. And that was kind of before I realized, before I realized that I have to find it within myself to kind of, I guess, find that, find that determination. And no offense to Temple Grandin, she's amazing, by the way. I just kind of realized, I think for me, I have to find the power of any. And then spokespeople are great, like especially great. And I realized that I have to find that inner power and then just go at it. Yeah, so All right. I didn't know anything. Oh, oh go, go ahead. Sorry. All right. Do you get more contact from the parents or from the kids themselves? Uh, great question. Um, kind of, I kind of can be both at times. Like, um, I, one of the things I also do for the program is I do like a 15 minute overview just to let, so people can just chat with me personally because I'm, uh, cause I am the founder and I just kind of go over the program and just kind of go over kind of auctions of answer the questions too. I get I kind of both, like I get some autistics as well, as well. And then I also get parents too. And then occasionally because I'm pursuing partnerships with driving schools all around, I also get that crowd too, which always makes my day. It's always makes my day because I was, if I'm able to get one each date, Brilliant. <laughs> um, brilliant. Like a lot of long time work, but it'll be worth it down the world. So I kind of get like a mix of people, the best way to describe it. But most but mostly the, the pe- new drivers are interested in parents too, especially the parents. All right. How did you come up with the outline for your courses? Another good question. I had it all developed over time, but like it's all based on my original on my original presentation. 
Like I did one that kind of based off of my own experiences and then kind of amped it up. I did, I did also work, work around it while I was at driving school. I learned a lot from that experience. So that allowed me to kind of approach materials on a different perspective. And I also led to just the creations of how it goes. Like I also go over the financial basics because cars are not cheap. And also we hear me complain about tires because I, I had to replace each and every one last year. And I hated it. <laughs> I hated it in terms of cost. Happy that the tires were fixed and won't have to worry about it for a while, but hated the cost because it was over $500. Good. Not fun. <laughs> not fun. Not fun. I know. I know. Now, you had mentioned you have a coworker. So does that mean you? Does that mean you have other instructors working for you? Um, um, because we're not really a driving school, we're kind of more of a again driver readiness. We do have a do have like a staff. We do have staff and also a, kind of like an advisory team. The best way to describe it that makes up most a majority of people are autistic with a couple with like one or two that one or two that are kind of non autistic non autistic. So most of the team is autistic, and I actually had someone that that did a lot of the uh, social media posting, and and also the team also I go and go for advising, um, because it is brand new and no one has ever done anything like that before. So, which also adds to a lot of the anxiety and also the stressful things about it. <laughs> All right. So, do you vet your own staff? I mean, do you literally, or do you just put out? And say looking for so and so. For for getting information, oh, can I go over suggestions? You mean just to clarify? Yeah, I mean, like when you get when you're looking for staff, do you have a specific idea of who you want and what do you want? And did oh, you oh, have oh, an oh, idea? Oh, recording. Did you also have an idea that you wanted all autistics? Um, I actually like a healthy amount of both. Huffing them out of both um, autistic and non-autistic, it just happens that it's kind of 80%, 80 to 90% as a basic one, but in kind of what I picture, like I have no issue with both ends. Um, this because I always like uh, collaborating with people and I'm not really a huge fan of, of some folks trying to outdo everyone that's not autistic. Not, not really my thing. And that's also sets up a really kind of disturbing and disturbing like implications because other people can be wonderful allies, right? <laughs> can be wonderful allies. And also because if they also have ideas, if say that if they were in my shoes in the past couple of years, like I would have hate, I would have hated to be in, I would have hated to have either have them being turned away just because as someone was too animated about having this one Pacific population. And again, and I see a lot of just the autism community drama in a lot of Facebook pages and I swear to never kind of go in that route. So I just like the work of everyone because everyone just wants to find that one thing, either it's a resource or if they want to find like something out there. So I rather just work with everyone, professionals, parents, uh, autistics themselves, obviously. And also life's too short, especially yeah. the pandemic also showed that a lot. Now, have you had people come back to you and thank you for your help? Who have said, I've got my driver's license, but thanks to you and everything else, which leads me to the other question. Do you help with them with studying for the test? 
Oh, two two good questions. Um, I actually I usually I usually ask for feedback. I'm always like to constantly improve myself. Um, even I'm currently kind of looking at the website right now. I'm seeing if I can find any like new or if there are new things for me to think about what will make it kind of better and also more inclusive. I just think of one fingers profession just because the community gets really picky with fingers. In my perfect world, and I know that doesn't exist, I would just be use whatever whatever language I want. But because the community is picky again, <laughs> I have to be quite careful with that. But um, but I get a couple of people, and I actually recently did a consultation with one that really wanted to do it with me because in one of the paid packages, you get a free consultation with me. At any way, you can schedule it anytime you want. And I was able to do it Monday, which makes me really happy because I always wanted to do it deliver to the customers for obvious reasons. And because not only that, and also in a business perspective that you want them to be able to refer other people to me. So it's, so it's always a good idea to never burn any bridges at all. And then second question, which was mine again, I thought I should know this, Um, but brain fart. (laughs) Do you help with the um, starting for the driver's test? Oh, right, right, right. Thank you. Um, that's kind of, that's probably part of the local resources. Like after someone completes a series, I kind of go over everything. Like if they want like a clinical assessment, something that is stress that like helps with their driving ability, get someone that can do that sort of assessment, help them out there. And if they want like the say permit test or wall test, if they just happen to be in that stage, why not the local resources? And especially if I'm from, if there are from Pacific states I'm actually familiar with, because I would kind of might know what areas they might be, they may, may live in, but they do Connecticut. I have a decent idea living in Connecticut for most of my life, so I can probably recommend what highways to go on for kind of like that good practice. There's a couple of good ones while Connecticut is a little weird with highways, a little weird with highways. There's a couple of very intensive highways, but there's a couple that is technically workable for newcomers. So it's kind of working that. And I got just includes what they want. And if they do the consultation, I let them talk. I, they have me for like an hour and I just have them go over. And then after I listen to all their perspectives, I kind of provide some recommendations and leave it, mostly leave it to up to them. All right. Now you said you had, this is all based off of your stuff. Your issue, you based everything off you. Do What issues did you have with driving alone? I got a question because I've always been like a solo driver. I don't mind passengers. I actually don't mind passengers, but I do kind of feel like feel like I have to kind of be a bit more mindful of what I do in terms of driving, which I I imagine is also normal to other other people too. It's like you have those like different sides, and that also applies to other settings too. I'm not saying that I go crazy on the world, mind you, <laughs> but just uh, I play Pacific music when I'm by myself. Well, that I'm a lot more self-conscious. Um, I used um, I used to headbutt headbutt with my dad when I was practicing, but it's been much better for several years now. Well, granted, I haven't driven with him in a while, and he has his own car, truck, and everything, so he's pretty much good on his end. But other than that, but I guess if I ever was in a weird situation, having someone would be helpful. But also know, but again, it's entirely on me to be responsible and know what to do, have the tools I need. So I guess, because I guess that's one of my streams is just a self-reliance and just knowing, 
what works for me, what doesn't work for me. I know it sounds like a lot more streams, but I guess um, issues would just be if there's something that's completely unknown, which can happen. I mean, driving anything can happen, honestly. Now, would you say you're a heavy foot or a light foot when it comes to driving? I feel like I should know those terms, but I don't. Is it just how you use the pedal? Heavy foot means you are a fast driver. Light foot means you're a lighter. You are a, you almost drive the speed. Oh, that is a hmm, good question. Um, I have to actually write down these. So it's called, uh, can you say the terms again? I'm so sorry, heavy but. Or lead foot. Meaning that you're, because your foot's always on the, on the gas. Light foot means basically you're, you're driving to the standards. I want to say a medium. I want to say medium, and that also depends if there's any, any people in, in, in my car. It also depends on the environment, because mm-hmm. if it's like heavy in traffic, <laughs> like left foot for sure, especially if it's like highway one, and because I'm driving a bit earlier to work now, there's a lot more traffic that I have to drive through. So I guess we depend it. And also because highways can also vary. A couple of times you kind of have to go a bit quick depending on the flow of the highway. It's a bit quicker one and also depends on the way you're at. So it can vary, but I see myself as a medium. My dad may say otherwise. I imagine, and knowing him, but I imagine I'm in the medium side, a little bit high, but still on a medium, medium foot, if that term exists. But this is the first I've actually heard of this term, so I'm actually going to look it up for driving terms. So um, thank you. No problem. Thank you. Um, while I'm like about almost four years, about three and a half years of driving, I feel like it's one of those things where you continually learn stuff. And I'm hoping to actually learn a couple of things because I'm going to a disability walk uh, this Sunday over at Massachusetts. I'll be driving through Connecticut and, and into Massachusetts all because I – don't have an e-password, so I'm kind of going to go through a tolls freeway, so it's possible. So I am going to enjoy that two-hour drive coming up. Wow. <laughs> yep, going to go for it. I mean, it's going to suck for gas money, but because it's something work rate and something that I kind of give a care about and provide PT germs, because I would use the other term, <laughs> use the act- I use the other version of the term, it's something I care about. <laughs> Now, how did COVID affect you all? I mean, did you still have people taking your courses or people not thinking about driving? Um, for that, um, that was that was kind of like a couple of years before I started driving with autism last December. So when while when COVID-19 really did its thing, I was kind of I was actually working with a school system. I was actually a job coach during that time. So and I was still developing I have a relationship with the original driving school I went at. So it was back when I was still setting up my materials with, and it didn't really take off until after COVID hit. So how long did it take before driving with autism became an official organization? I'm for, I'm for that. And when I left the driving school, it was about nine months from March 20, March of last year to December of last year, like a good nine months. I remind it a bit a lesser time, but it but I realized it takes a lot of time to to develop that. And how did we had to kind of design a lot of the newer like have to design like the ebook and give approval to that and all the other aspects. It takes time trying to start things up. Yes, it does. 
Yep, realize I probably was a little too hasty a year ago. <laughs> so would you consider yourself a very observant driver? Um, that I could probably, their comparison, I kind of try to make note of anything that would come up. And while I'm a type where I would, I have, have like medium um, type music, I use a lot of video game music to help me with hyper focus. If I know something's off, if I hear a certain noise or if I see something that's really off, pretty much music gets turned off and I just focus and just do my thing. So have you... Have you, um, or like orientated yourself with your car? Do you know how to like change a tire? Do you, I'm pretty sure you know how to fill your own gas tank. Yep, gas is not a problem. I did air, I always like to go from the, the, the air machines while with a little bit, well, some quarters, it just tells you the exact amount of PSI that you need. I always like enjoy that and I always have a gas stage, but for the whole maintenance part, I'm not really the best at that. Um, I know how to kind of, I know how to kind of check up the oil and whatnot. Um, but a couple of things I get help from my dad, who's done a lot of the car maintenance in the past. Probably it's in the well, future, I may have to wear in certain certain stuff. But it'll be something that'll be over time. And also up to me, like I have to be the one that takes care of the car for obvious reasons and not do anything stupid also. Now, I take it your father is very supportive of you and your whole thing, what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Yep, and despite kind of the back and forth, um, it got to a point where it's gotten much better. He's kind of like a psychic. He just tells me when the weather's really off. He's a still a little, he's still a little, he's not sure about those wanton trips, which is normal. It was like an hour plus, which is no, which I'm at, which again is normal for a lot of parents because anything, anything can happen. And I've been in drives on my dad's end on vacation, like those 10 hour uh, drives down on the south. Can be a lot that happens, and if you've earned a morning, um, he actually had me one time look around for deer just in case because again, deer loves cars so much, and unfortunately too because they can be also one of the biggest reasons for accidents, especially in their type of seasons. Now, and how do you? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. How do you handle? I mean, that's a good quite. That's a good thing you brought up. I mean, how do you handle long distance driving? Because I know. There, there are those on the spectrum who probably have ADHD, who kind of lose, <laughs> don't have that focus. How do you handle it yourself? And how do you teach readiness to those about dealing with focus? And great question. And I'm probably a poultry and an autism side and not so much of an ADHD perspective, but some of it may also apply to any drivers as well. One of the topics I actually also go over is as sensory tools within the sensory topic. When you go on our website, I have it listed as a topic and, and sensory tools. And it's also something I am highlighting when I go to resource fairs is tools you could use in your car. And they could also be mental ones, but also be uh, practical and unexpected tools as well. Like sunglasses, a deal of light. And then even just little things that you just like the positive association I guarantee because I'm pretty because I'm guaranteeing you must have seen the cars that have the plushes on the dashboard. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you drive or not. Uh, if not, not a problem. But if no, I do. But yeah, I but occasionally really you do see that plush. Um, I even have I actually have one that's based off a video game. I have it just hanging around. And certain, and when I'm like stopped red light and I have one hand on the steering wheel, I just have another hand that just pats it, pats it on the head. 
it's just a little bit of that slight release. And because it's something I like, like it doesn't really distract me. And I also use the new success to help that uh, simulation. So just to help me with the hyper-focus. Again, not the greatest for everyone else. It just all depends on them. And then some days I don't really do music. I also listen to uh, classic Hollywood uh, movies. Like, I listen to like movies that have that turn into like a video adaptation. So I listen to a lot of like old classics like uh, Wizard of Oz, um, Sunset Beauregard. It happened one night, all in a good hour, hour long adaptation. So those are very good for very good for world trips. So you listen to audiobooks? Um, I haven't actually listened to an actual audiobook in the in in my car. It kind of more get it's a real adaptation of the classic movies. Like they made an intention of a radio audience. Because uh, obviously you won't be able to see the movies. It's more the audio. It's like the audio version of a movie. Oh, interesting. Very but anyway, it's, it probably is an audio book in a way. Like similar idea. And because well, I kind of have I kind of like classic movies. I like classic movies. So once I realized that I can download those and put that in a USB drive in my car. Free stuff and I won't have to go super hard on. <laughs> it's just something that works with me. Because I was at a Hartford Hitchcock movie one drive. I was to Strangers on a Train, and I have a breast. <laughs> like, yeah, again, that little bit of that suspense going on in the morning drive while going to a resource fair. And I was telling people left and right I did that, and most were quite surprised. <laughs> yeah, I can see. It was, it was a fun drive. It. it was really fun. Yeah, I can see you, like, listening to Hitchcock or, um, like, birds or... Uh... Oh, yeah. like I, think, I think there might be birds, but it might be the one before he actually did his own version. I have to double check. South by it's, Southwest, maybe? I'm not sure if that's, and then the, because I know it is, it's called Lux uh, Radio Feeder. It just does movies up till 55. They kind of stopped around the fi- mid 50s. I would wish they could continue a bit more onward, but hey, changing treads, right? <laughs> Mm-hmm. It actually started in the 30s or just something that people to listen to and those are actually quite fun some have some crappy audio but some can be really good audio like strangers on the train wasn't that one and it has the best audio i've ever seen from the 50s recording like i could just pick up anything and i just was it just helps if i'm just understanding the radio while driving because if i don't really get it my the attention is kind of a little odd to be like what, what am i listening to i feel like i'm not getting these characters now, do you have any do oh, you have any sensory ahead. issues like light? Um, I don't really like it when people leave the high beams on and they don't mm. when they when they kind of go over you or even worse behind you. Like I absolutely despise it. <laughs> I'm making a point where like they kind of know then have high beams on and when they know have to have them off when people approach you on the opposite side. Uh, what I do on what I do for that is I don't really do sunglasses at all. So what I do is I train my eyes to look at the payment, like the yellow, like the yellow and the right, kind of like the things that where I was going to kind of still drive straight and just make the occasional turns. It was something to help combat that and just kind of ignore it and just do my thing. Less trouble the better, and because you have to, and also keep yourself safe and also others safe. There's always those one or two drivers. So what is the one big thing you take away from your whole organization that you can walk away feeling happy about? To someone else, it's just to know that there's a resource that exists. Um, it, it might be possible that driving may not be for someone, 
especially if there's legitimate um, safety concerns or if you don't feel like you're safe while on the wheel. On the wheel, it's just more just the just the choice to have it. Choice to choice to have it because I always think about the gray side of driving. I always like think about the what ifs, and because every autistic person is very different in their approaches. Uh, what, what I kind of want to do is kind of have them discover what they want to do. And and even if they don't want to drive, but they want to take the education side from the webinars that I do, um, I welcome that too. Just all for just empowerment and kind of let people know that, again, we are a thing. Um, again, it may not be for everyone, but it's at least it's something that exists. Like if, if, I, if, I was, if I was still pursuing driving, if I see something like this exists, oh my God, I would... Like I would, I would just adore it every second. Like I would just sign up instantly, regardless of money, <laughs> and probably over budget that as well. <laughs> no, I mean, and back in the days. <laughs> now, have you dealt with those who have a fear of driving because they're just afraid to get out and deal with it? How do you handle that? Because I remember my first time getting behind the wheel with driving with driving schools and. Even afterwards, my first time driving my alone, I my hands were white as can be gripping that steering wheel until I got comfortable. Hmm. I've heard those, and I kind of get that um, on and off, um, both in the last several years and then currently. When I get for that, I just listen to their story and then kind of base my responses on them because usually they have a very good reason. And because from your experience, it sounds like it was the first time, like literally the first mm-hmm. time. Unless I'm mistaken, do correct me if if I have the idea off. No, you're right. It wasn't. It wasn't my first time. Yeah, so like, there's usually a lot of really good reasons, and because driving can be very freaky. Like I still remember, still like I still remember some of my first uh, practices. I still remember, kind of, still remember kind of how freaky the first day was when I had my license and I was out for a drive first time. It was still kind of big, but it was still kind of surreal that. That now that I have this, but I also have to worry about everything else. But it was also kind of like the big first step while it's just while I have to make sure that make sure it's a good, safe, good, safe step, too. If that now, makes sense, I could also clarify it too as well. Right now, as for people that come to you, do you is it mostly the students or is it like parents concerned for their kids saying, I have a son who's on the spectrum, I'm ho- can you help him? Or is it a mixed bag of the student of those kid and the and the parent? Um, I think for emails that I get, and I get them every now and then, I get them quite a bit. I also get calls a lot. I before I started the company, I never got so many calls. Like my work, my work phone's actually busy for once. <laughs> I usually get at least a couple calls per week. But I think for the calls part, I could and the emails too. In case you go through our contact page. Definitely a parents, definitely a parents, but I do get the one or two autistic, which is fine. I'm happy to get both perspectives. And then for consultations, I always love to have both of those perspectives because there might be one thing I'm missing from, if I'm speaking to a parent, I might like to get input from the new driver or I, or in case I want to get perspective from the parent, uh, if, if it makes sense in their, uh, if it makes sense in their uh, case. Yeah, I understand what you're saying about that because a lot of times when you're talking with like the the parent, they know more about the son, and then the son can, or the daughter can be not telling you the whole story because they're either afraid or they're embarrassed. 
And the parent was literally just put it all out on the line saying, this is the issues we need to work with. Yeah, but it could be a little diverse in case of my parents might be too anxious. So it just really just depends on the kid. Uh, just depends on, I guess, each person, honestly. So what kind of success rate have you had with it? Um, for, I guess, uh, comping in mind, just, again, the intention that I've got a couple customers. I've been small side, just been tweaking tweaking a lot of the language and just kind of making it making it just kind of approachable because it's a brand new idea. And also, one of the biggest things that's been really successful is just kind of getting the name out there, like the in-person resource fairs in my state and hopefully Massachusetts, but I have a lot of confidence with Massachusetts, and I'm very excited with the upcoming one too. Just kind of just getting the name out there and then just starting up partnerships to kind of making those solid connections with people. And because things are kind of opening up, Question mark. It again depends on each day. Um, Connecticut's being a little wimble, but it's kind of wimble. It's probably you could say the same for other states too. But for the few few places that have been doing in person stuff, it's kind of like I kind of want to invest in doing like an in person version of these classes. Like it'd be great. I'm a type of person where if I'm have a reason to drive somewhere, work with it, I do it. Like I've actually drove in the Newark one or two times, not the city, but kind of in a Newark kind of up, upstate, at least like, well, not really in the city, but kind of closer over there. Where it could be like 24 minutes ago, like I'm a type of person where if I have a work reason, like I'll do it. Like I'm actually driving for a work meeting on Friday, for example. And not because it's work rate, because it's something that I want to. And even though two hours away, I absolutely would do it. <laughs> Regardless of gas, yes, well, gas prices are kind of terrible right now. <laughs> yeah, so I want to first say I want to thank you because this kind of resources is something big nowadays because you'll see a lot of autistic people out there, me included. It took me forever to get my license. I believe I didn't get my license until my late 30s. And even <laughs> after that, I mean... I was skittish around driving at first because, I mean, I had so much fear of dealing <laughs> with just getting on and driving and then dealing with weather. I mean, is that, that's actually a good question is, do you help with like readiness with driving through like rainy weather, snow weather? And I believe I touch upon those topics and the series. Um, for most likely, I might include a set, couple slides on either rain, on kind of like rainy conditions and also snow conditions. Sure, it also just depends on the season because it's a seasonal series. I like to try to do one like spring, uh, summer. I want to do a fall one coming up. Probably schedule sometime and because I'm making changes to the materials themselves. But I actually have written blogs on both rain and snow conditions. I try to do the blogs on kind of just, I kind of do it in a timely fashion. Like I think I wolfed the, the snow conditions back in February, I believe. So we have a blog page that covers a lot of just uh, driving concepts. And the most recent I wrote about is urban areas, how to deal with them, how, what, what drivers can do to make it more approachable. Have you now, do you help them how they deal with those who are aggressive drivers? Like, how do you deal with the people out there who are just nuts? Yeah, the rules breakers, the rule breakers. Yes. I co- um, that's actually another reason I cover that in between the changing um, and managing changes in anxieties, because it's one of the biggest things I've, I've heard from the other parents and new drivers. 
And what I can what I can tell them in that, I mean, I go over this in the presentations too. Is kind of learning how to not be them or think of them as the bad chefs from Hell's Kitchen, or if you know if you're a fan of Bar Rescue, the bad bars from the bad uh, bar owners from uh, Bar Rescue. And we're TV, I know, but it's kind of like a similar idea. You look at their examples of what why what they're doing is not the best. You look at that and be like, I'm not going to do that, and just kind of use that to kind of better yourself. And when you think about it as someone that like breaks, that kind of goes through the opposite range just to get by, you look at that and be like, I'm not going to do this. I'm like, I'm not going to do this because obviously you can't really do anything to that drivers and also brings too much attention and also get yourself in danger and you also get yourself in an accident potentially. So it's like some of those things either let go, but also make it productive on your end. That's also one of the things I do. I try to think of everyone as like a bad chef in Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> I mean, I do the occasion, do honking every time then, but I just let it go and just try to do my thing because I got to keep myself safe and keep myself safe. And it also makes people safe too around me. So I just got to do my thing. <laughs> just from my own personal experience. Now, do you, this is an important question though. Do you help them deal with like police, how to talk to a policeman if they get oh, pulled yes. over? Oh, yes. Um, that's also another topic in the seven-part series. And I might, might have briefly talked about it earlier, but I do go over uh, police interactions. I kind of go over why officers do this, why, why new drivers do this, because they have a, both, both have a lot of differing, differing reactions. So I like to kind of go over that. And I do have a go through uh, scripting, what an interaction may look like. I think I'm like, let's say without any, without any death or just kind of like a standard, like a ticket, like a ticket, like interaction, which is one of the more common ones, common ones. And I actually go over what officers can do to kind of, can do to kind of make it easier for new drivers and then what new drivers can do to also make it easy, make it easy because there's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of reasons people react what they do, a lot of very justifiable. And because mm-hmm. officers are trained to be high aware all the time, like it kind of makes sense to, it makes sense, makes sense. It's also, again, sad how some of those can be, mm-hmm. where it can just make sense. And because some are not really autism trained or that, or they're too busy with everything else that they don't realize that some of the best things either is to not try to cause anything else to come up, meltdowns are just a lot of those like overloading uh, stages. I also go over uh, solutions because I'm always believe in solutions and I hate to victimize people. I think the victimizing part just does more harm than it should. So I let people know that it doesn't have to be this way. Like there's ways that there's ways that you can like tackle this in ways you know that make, kind of makes it easy on yourself and the officer. So do you suggest that if you're autistic and you're going to drive that they should carry the autism card? Oh, that's a good question. Um, and for this, and for for and for that, I leave it up to them. Um, personally, we have something in Connecticut called the Blue Envelope, and that pretty much tells you that you're autistic. And it's not really an ID thing. Some states do, some do, and I always try to keep an eye out for that too. Um, for that, before I do, I don't really use a Blue Envelope. I just kind of just do my standard uh, drive. But I'm kind of the more best take is as long as you don't, you're not required to use it all the time. If it's optional, then that's fine. And again, it's really up to the drivers to decide because, hey, some people are not really comfortable with driving. 
as some might prefer because, you know, disclosure, kind of disclosing it is a very personal choice. Mm-hmm. And, and some, it can be really stressful for people, it can be stressful for some folks. So as, as it really should be like a personal auction. And it's a personal auction because states may either either kind of legalize it or kind of pass it by wall. The moment that it becomes forceful, it pretty much uses all that goodwill. And just in my personal opinion, and make it forcible. Um, like it just doesn't really add. Like it doesn't give you much choices to work with. I get where you're coming from. What if you don't want to mention autism? Because hey, it's such hey, it's a thing. It's a thing people have. It's a reaction or just an idea people have. So, so I so I want there to be personal choice. I get where you're coming from. It's sort of like when you're applying for a job and you decide or not to decide to, to check that little box that says, I have a disability. I almost, I almost thought about that, actually. I almost thought about it, but also this goes in that uh, personal choice, too. And then employment is also that huge can of worms for the community, too. That's recently getting so much attention just because mm-hmm. neurodiversity and a lot of those employment um, pushes nowadays. Before now, before you were doing this, did you find it hard to find work? On the sea, on for me, it was kind of both yes and no. But well, part part of it was easy. Like I was able to get a job through the states on uh, rehab. It was like a state um, rehabilitation services for when I graduated out of school. So that was one thing. But for actually applying, because I only applied to a couple places, and. And for those, I'm counting those cases too, where I actually have a legitimate job interview. It was stressful, but I just kind of was able to kind of study what a job interview do. And there's some surprising good resources on job interview stuff. And if you look them up, like there's a couple that were actually surprising me in depth. So I use that a lot. And I also just use common sense too. And then for job coaching and then, and when I was in job coaching one, I actually had my phone almost going off silent, by the way. I could tell it, but I kind of just ignored it because I, it wasn't important. And because I was already doing the interview, there was just, there's no pause button. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, there's no pause button like in a video game. So you just got to push through it. <laughs> yep. It's one of those push through at that point. So it's kind of both yes and no. I just kind of just handled it. But again, I'm different case, but there is a lot of legitimate other cases. And also because the place I worked at was a paraprofessional job coaching back beforehand. Like it was kind of like it was a bit more comfortable disclosing it if I wanted to. And I kind of did because I was a transition student and it kind of made sense that I was a student there. And I guess applying for that job that where I'm kind of become like the teaching kind of like the teaching role or kind of. It's kind of like all over the place. Uh, best way to describe it. I have a very new week employment and. A, situ- a situation at that time and then I was hired and then and then I was hired by the uh, financial firm person saw what I was doing was really good and hired me took a bit of times so but then I finally said yes so kind of both yes and no <laughs> I know that doesn't, may not give you much to work with but my employment was quite out there <laughs> in good ways Anyways, I want to thank you for coming on the show, Andrew. It was it's been an honor to have you, and thank you again for the resources you're putting out there and everything you're doing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, thank you for having me here too. Um, this was a great amount of talks. 
And that is it. I'll see you on the next one, everybody. It's the way things used to be I'm no big fan of now I must have some sweeter memories Somewhere in the cloud Welcome to the new normal Welcome to the new normal Welcome to the new normal Shout to be gonna miss all you had consigned to the dustbins of history like opinions from your dead Talk to the freaks. You can talk to just about anybody you happen to meet. It ain't what it was, and it is what it is.